Good morning. It's Tuesday, December 7th. I'm Shamita Basu. And I'm Duarte Geraldino. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. All week, we're going beyond the numbers in President Biden's proposed spending plan and zeroing in on the areas of potential impact. Yesterday, we talked about health care. Today, let's look at what this bill means for immigration. When the House passed its version of the bill last month, lawmakers included protections for roughly 7 million people who are currently living here illegally. But there are still hurdles to be cleared before these provisions can make it into the final bill, And some immigration advocates say they don't go far enough. The bill would provide protection from deportation, access to work permits, and permission to travel abroad. Essential pandemic workers could qualify. The bill would also impact those known as DREAMers. These are people who were illegally brought to the U.S. as children. Yahoo News has the story of one of them, 32-year-old Efrain Leal Escalera. Escalera was seven years old when his parents brought him to the U.S. from Mexico, Now he's living in Denver with a family of his own. He says he feels like he's constantly having to prove that he's worthy of having the right to work. He's feeling optimistic about the bill and the sense of security it'll give people like him. But it's not clear whether this is going to pass the Senate. Democrats are hoping to use a special process known as reconciliation that would enable them to pass this without Republican votes. Lawmakers are waiting for the Senate parliamentarian to decide whether a bill dealing with immigration can be passed using this special process, a process that's essentially a filibuster workaround. Let's turn from domestic issues to Biden's foreign policy. It is a big week out there. This morning is Biden's high-stakes call with Russian President Vladimir Putin. And that comes just as the U.S. announces a diplomatic boycott of the Olympics in China. These two developments happening at the same time, it has a kind of Cold War feel. Presidential meetings with these countries were some of the biggest moments in American history. Think Nixon's trip to China, Kennedy's meeting with Khrushchev, After the Cold War, other places occupied the time of recent presidents, wars in the Middle East, unrest in the Balkans. But now that U.S. troops have left Afghanistan, Russia and China are on center stage. So now is a good time to catch up on why they're becoming more important. Let's start with Russia. CNN explains this meeting is crucial because there are signs that Russia could take major military action in Ukraine. The Biden administration has signaled it'll respond to an invasion with economic sanctions, possibly even additional troops in Europe. Biden and Putin, they have a rocky history. Biden has called the Russian leader a killer, told him he doesn't have a soul. CNN explains, Biden seems to believe Putin responds more to directness and strength. There are some analysts who aren't sure whether Putin has decided to invade Ukraine. The military buildup it may be a way to try getting the U.S. and NATO allies to make concessions. Now, let's turn to China. Time magazine looks at the U.S. boycott of the Olympics. And one thing to be clear about, it's a diplomatic boycott. That means U.S. government officials won't travel to China to attend the Games, but American athletes will still compete. This is not like the American boycott of the 1980 Summer Olympics in Moscow, when U.S. athletes had to set that out, too. The White House says it's boycotting the Beijing Games because of China's actions in Xinjiang. 
It's been accused of using forced labor in camps to suppress the Muslim minority population there. China has criticized this move and threatened retaliation. There are a lot of question marks about the U.S.-China relationship right now. The Trump years included trade warfare and a fraught relationship between the two leaders. It isn't yet clear how tense things will be during the Biden years. Biden met virtually with President Xi Jinping last month. China's actions in Xinjiang came up, but not the Olympics. The boycott marks an escalation of Biden's criticism. The Supreme Court is considering a Mississippi case that could change abortion access in America. But many clinics say a lack of doctors willing to perform the procedures making hard to access abortion today. To try and fill those gaps, dozens of doctors regularly travel across the U.S. to help patients seeking abortions. Emily Wax Thibodeau is covering this for The Washington Post. A lot of places in the South, smaller cities, rural areas, places with large religious, evangelical, or Catholic communities do not have abortion clinics. And if they do, like South Bend, where Notre Dame and several other uh, high-profile Catholic universities are, they don't want to live in the community because they're afraid their practice will be targeted. Every month, Dr. Mira Shah makes the 800-mile trip from New York to South Bend, Indiana, She told the Post that a lot of the time she's handing out medication abortion pills, which is a job nurse practitioners are allowed to do in some places. But several states have put restrictions on what providers and clinics can do. All that travel means long hours, but Dr. Shaw says she does it because patients need her, especially in underserved communities. A reproductive rights advocate tells the Post about half of abortion patients live below the federal poverty line. Sixty percent already have children. And in our conversation with Wax Thibodeau, she pointed out how people seeking abortions are often stressed and being confronted by anti-abortion protesters can make it all harder. When I was in South Bend, Indiana, when I was in Alabama, when I was in Mississippi, there was a large group of protesters who had very graphic images that we have seen of what they say are aborted fetuses. These protests outside abortion clinics are one reason some doctors feel unsafe working there. But reproductive rights groups are hopeful that efforts to ban abortion will inspire a new generation of doctors, like Dr. Shah, who see an urgency in their work. In her waiting room, Dr. Shah keeps a copy of a book that she wrote for patients. It tells the stories of people who get abortions to counter stereotypes. Dr. Shah says the title is from a real-life conversation— It's called, You're the Only One I've Told. Is your cat kind of a jerk? Mine definitely was, and I still loved him. If you've ever had a cat, you know that they do weird, disruptive stuff all the time. They run around the house, they bat things off of tables, they hiss at a corner of the room like they're seeing a ghost. You might think this is all just normal cat stuff. But according to a new study, your cat might be a psychopath. Leave it to Vice to get us a story like this. Researchers in the UK were inspired by their own cat's sometimes disturbing behavior to figure out if being a psychopath could be a cat thing, and if so, can it be measured? 
They surveyed hundreds of cat owners asking about their pet's behavior. They wanted to know about feline boldness, meanness, disinhibition. The same traits, by the way, used to measure human psychopathy. There were also some cat-specific traits that they had in mind, like how friendly these cats were toward humans and other pets. Researchers told Vice it's probably the case that all cats are at least a little bit psychopathic. So what does that say about us, the humans who willingly put up with them? You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And while you're in the app, keep listening to hear narrated articles from our News Plus partners. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. 